welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Zitnik. With all the flurry of technology going on at the moment, today we thought we'd focus on the digital. No, take a deep sigh of relief. We're not focusing on chat GPT, but rather the data that we get from all of the digital platforms that we've been using in our organisations. Our first guest today is Kurt Krauss-Sorison, who is the owner and facilitator of the Intrateam network at Intrateam and is based in the Aarhus area in Denmark. What I love about Kurt, aside from his wealth of knowledge and generosity of sharing, is that he is 100% to the point. No fluffy stuff. I've known Kurt for a few years now and I've always appreciated the excellent industry events about the internet, the digital workspace and digital employee experience events that Intrateam put on. And our second guest today is Pete Johns. He's a culture, collaboration and change leader who is now based in the UK after over 15 years in Australia and is the Director of Customer Success and Growth for Swoop Analytics in Europe. And what impresses me the most is that he has a huge background in digital employee experience organisational culture and internal comms from back in Sydney, Australia, with a broad sector experience including travel and transport, membership, government and education. And he has all the org design and change comms certificates that you could possibly need, such as IDEO, design thinking and the Prosecchi ADCAR change management. I've really been looking forward to meeting him and To be honest, that's simply because of the absolutely audacious number of people that we've got in common. So I'm really excited to have this conversation today with Kurt, who I've known for a couple of years, and also Pete, who's a new friend with way too many people in common. So welcome, Kurt, and welcome, Pete. Thank you. Um, Kurt, how about we start with just a little bit more about the Intra-Team events? I don't think I could have possibly done it justice. Let's give our listeners a little bit more context before we get into our media discussion. Well, yes, good question. I would say about our conference events is that it's mainly something we did years back for our members because we're a member organization. So it really was that we we simply did events for our members, uh, sharing knowledge. I think that's the core of our events is actually to share knowledge. It's, it's not for newcomers, it's more for people who have been working with this stuff for, for years. So I think that's, that's the core of what we're doing. And our peer groups have been on for 22 and a half years. I've got a grandchild, oh. he's very concerned about <laughs> this half year. So I'm, I'm sure the 22 and a half year is very important here as well. So, and, and that's where we're sharing the real stories. I think that's the core of what we're doing is sharing the real stories. And then we're also benchmarking uh, intranets, uh, digital workplaces and decks. We call it a decks benchmark, but that's something you, we call it, it it's a self-assessment. So it's really something you can do if you want to assess your decks experience, then you can simply do it uh, on your own. Uh, for our listeners, Kurt, what does decks stand for uh, digital employee experience so it's one of the three legs in employee experience the digital one not the cultural or the physical ones <laughs> thanks Kerr. and pete oh just quickly where does swoop fit in just so our audience understands sort of your expertise on the numbers side as well yeah um so swoop 
does, well, it focuses on communication and collaboration analytics. Um, we basically can can tap into the what, what we call the digital exhaust from your tools like Microsoft Teams, well, Microsoft 365, your SharePoint intranet, your mm-hmm. Viva Engage network, formerly Yammer. Mm-hmm. And if you're using Workplace from Meta as well, we can we can run analytics on that. But yeah, essentially, we're, we're trying to help people work better together um, through better understanding of how people interact, how they communicate and how they collaborate in an organisation. Excellent. And I've, I forgot to mention that you'll also be doing a webinar, won't you, for the IABC AMENA region on, yeah. that's May the 31st? Yeah, yeah, at the end of May. And we'll be really diving a, a little deeper into a, a range of things, but really the focus is on the difference between data and insight. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, if anyone listening to this is interested in how do you move from just using data and looking at data to actually getting insight and driving action, um, that's going to be a big theme of, of that webinar. So, yeah, good one Lovely. to join if you get the chance. Lovely. So just head over to the IABC AMENA website. That's IABCEMENA.com to sign up to this free event. So let's dive in. Um, both of you are into digital employee experience space. So, Kirk, could you maybe start with describing a little bit more about this and what interests you the most? Because... 22 years of the peer-to-peer group. And a half. And a half, and a half. And a half, yes, yes. Important. So some would say it's new labels on old bottles because uh, I think my vision for the uh, intranets 22 and a half years ago, perhaps not necessarily, but when I've been in the space for some time, I realised that, I mean, I'll just say that it needs to be holistic and you need to have a mindset that what you want to do with your internet is really to serve employees. And there's a lot of talk about customer experience. And I know for for those of my members who are in the lead on, on digital employee experience that their management do understand customer experience and therefore they also understand employee experience because how can you have your employees to deliver an excellent customer experience if they don't have an, a digital employee experience, if, if they don't have the answers, if they don't know what's going on in the company, if they've got no no idea of where the tools they need to do to, to help the customer or to serve the customer, to give the customer good experience. It's really, it's really a no-brainer to me. So they need to have the, the tools and the information and know what's going on in the business. I have a, a quick question there. Why, why do you think some people don't get it that relationship well i i think it's because it's down in the silos i, I think it's because uh, communication is is producing news articles or communication and then you have it and it is sort of often sitting on the tools and there's a disconnect between these two for some reason they come from different <laughs> countries or it's not always they can talk together actually or they don't understand each other when they try to talk and that's a very sad thing. And that's why we need this mindset that what it's all about is about the employee or in the end about the customer. And, and if we can get that into it and, and at best, if we also can get the organization structured in the sense that it's the same manager who's actually looking at the customer and prioritizing what's being done and actually forcing communication, IT and HR and the business to sort of get involved in the internet. Somehow still after 22 and a half year, it's, it's still a lot of organizations where there is 
a complete disconnect between IT communication and HR. And I see Pete is not. So, so uh, yeah. So uh, jumping over to you, Pete. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I would agree with what Kurt was saying about this this challenge of the, the disconnection and the sort of um, the, the lack of clarity around ownership. You know, most organizations try as they might to be agile and sort of say, hey, we're, you know, we're really react responsive and we work in agile ways. Most organizations are still very old fashioned in the way they do things. They have silos, they have projects to deliver results. And so you get like a, an IT team says, right, we need to update the in- intranet because Microsoft is shutting down the old or they're not supporting the old platform. They're moving to a new one that might trigger the intranet improvement project. Right. Um, Whereas the the sort of employee experience focused approach is about actually having a holistic vision and a holistic commitment to making a better experience for your employees because it pays off. The one thing I would add is it needs real sort of forward thinking leadership and a bit of a leap of faith from leaders. I think CX took probably 10, 15 years to really sort of bed in as a as an approach to have for an organization to care about customer experience. And it was about 10 or 15 years ago, I started saying, why aren't we doing the employee experience in the same way as we're focusing on customer experience? And what I've found over the years is it's much easier for leaders to see the direct relationship between customer experience and financial performance. And that's the major driver of any activity in most organizations, right? How's this going to affect the bottom line? So it's easier to see if a customer has an amazing experience, they will spend this money with us or they will commit to us for this long. The the employee experience, for some reason, doesn't have the same way. You can't so easily say if we invest in the employee experience, we'll get this much more revenue from our customers. It's just harder to make that leap. So leaders have taken time to come on board with it. I think they're doing that at scale now. And we're seeing EX really sort of being seen as two sides of the same coin, the customer experience and the employee experience. So so from what you've seen, that's really taken a leap and progressed in the past couple of years. In many ways, yes. In many other ways, potentially not. Um, I think there's EX has kind of become a bit of a buzzword and a bit of a sort of mm-hmm. fashionable thing. To, to lay claim to, oh, we're really focused on the employee experience. But when push comes to shove, you often see the employee experience is still where it's always been, which is number two on the list compared to something else um, that might be more pressing financially. So I think it's it varies organization by organization. We've definitely seen progress, but there's a lot of risk around that as well. And that's where I think it's really important for practitioners to kind of take ownership and do what they can to to really commit to living with an EX mindset in everything they do. And I'd love to talk about that risk a little bit um, later on in the discussion. Um, but Kurt, what are some of the recent changes that you've seen? Well, we've had Yammer renamed and uh, also slightly changed, I think, uh, for the better. But why Microsoft always have to come up with uh, new names for the same products is, is uh, I just simply don't get it. But uh, there are probably reasons for that. But they're very, very confusing the employees. And now another thing coming up is the co-pilot. We weren't supposed to talk about ChatGPT, but that is sort of part of what's coming. But we still, we still don't know how much is coming, though we know it's, it's there in Bing. 
the browser, the, the Microsoft browser, where you can actually use it. And, and I'm using it frequently and it, it, it works uh, too well. There's a long story about that, but let's, let's keep us to, to the internet. But I'm, I'm still seeing lots of possibilities there to help people create content uh, for good or bad, because I think a lot of times I think there's too much content on internets. I think you need to sort of reduce that and higher the quality of what's there. So it's easier to find and search for. Um, but that's a different story. And then again, not really, because I think the biggest challenge that I see for people working, at least with Microsoft 365 internets, is that they are being changed all the time. I see a lot of reasons in IT and over and over to say, no, we, we need to wait for Copilot to be there. We need to wait for, and nobody really knows when it's going to turn up in, in Word and when it's going to turn up in your on your internet. But it's always been a dream that we could just ask for whatever and then it came comes up. But the thing is, we, we also need some kind of quality check. We, we need to know in, in certain organizations, it's, it's more needed than in others. But I think when you don't know where the answer is coming from, Oh, uh, then uh, I think it's good. But but what's hurting my heart after 22 and a half year in this industry is that not many are actually using our benchmark. I didn't mean to mention that first, but now it came out. But really measure. I, I mean, and I'm thinking user surveys. I'm thinking our benchmark self-assessing, where you as an internet manager can sit on your own, just fill in. I know there's 200 questions, but they're very, very, we get a lot of praise from those. But then you can get benchmarked up against other organizations. And then analytics. Why aren't people using analytics? And, and I, say, I think we're coming back to that as well. But I'm just saying people don't have the time actually to improve their internet because there's always an excuse for waiting. Because there's, or they don't simply don't have the time to lean back and say, hey, or go out and talk to your your colleagues to hear what what can I do for you? What is it you need to deliver the customer experience? What what is it you need? How can how can we go backwards from there? No 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 no. We've got to go and look at a lot of other things. And then I know from Pete and Swoops reports uh, and benchmark that most organizations only use. Microsoft 365 for email and Teams meetings. There's so many things out there that you could use that's not being used. And I'm not saying it should be used, but I'm, I'm just sort of saying that why is it putting up a blur for us, for all the other good things that we could do? Focus on the employee in the field with the customer or in the factory. What can we do for us for you to make your life better? And that's our purpose, is to make the world a better place to work. I, th I think from a lot of people that I've seen in my work, it's uh, we've done some audits and things, internal comms audits, and it's because they don't know how to use it. It's the adoption bit that was missed in my experience from why they're not using those other tools or platforms in the Office 365. Have you seen the same thing there, Kurt? Is it an adoption option? I'm not so sure whether it's necessarily adoption. Um, well, but I suppose it is. If you hear something snoring in the background, I'm, I'm sorry, it's my dog uh, lying down here. I might kick him, but then he might make more noise than that. I'll, I'll try to <laughs> cuddle him a little bit. So I don't know what this goes through. Okay, What's his so, name? Uh, his name is DJ Bob. <laughs> 
That's that's a longer story, but uh, my son my son wanted a dog called DJ Bob, and then he married a girl who is allergic for dogs. And then my old dog got uh, sick and ill, and we needed a replacement. And then he gave me and my wife money for our silver wedding for another dog. And that's the that's a dog lying down here snoring. And the old one kept on going for another seven years. We thought we so we had two dogs for seven years. And and then obviously he wanted the dog to be called DJ Bob. And and DJ okay, Bob. why? <laughs> what what else could the dog be named when when he sort of was putting part of the money in for it, you know, so that's the reason. I'm glad, okay. I'm glad that he's a happy dog. Um, he is, how, he is. So, um, Pete, in terms of what you've been seeing lately, I mean, aside from Microsoft changing Yammer's name on, on everybody, <laughs> yeah. um, have you seen any recent changes that's sprung to mind that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I definitely, uh, like... One of the things I really struggle with, and Kurt, you touched on this, is is the, the sort of focus from the service delivery creators or providers in an organization that traditionally has been driven by the technology. So like I mentioned earlier, here's the new SharePoint, new version of SharePoint. Therefore, IT say, right, we need a new intranet because the old one's no longer supported. There's that sort of technology or platform-driven activity. And I've definitely seen a lot more organizations starting to adopt a, an employee experience mindset and shift to a much more high value approach, which is the employee need driven sort of kicking off of project. So we're, we're seeing much more of a development of product management approaches rather than project delivery approaches. So with the way that technology providers, vendors are now creating tools that are constantly adapting, constantly having new features added, new capabilities, revised versions of existing capabilities. So it's almost impossible to say, right, we've deployed X platform and therefore the project is done. You need to have that product management kind of product lifecycle mindset when you're thinking about the digital employee experience. And a lot of vendors have been really good at designing to facilitate that through having really sort of flexible and adaptable tools. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like I do like what I know a lot of people are struggling with what Microsoft have done around the whole Viva piece and the Viva rebranding. But I think when you think about the long term picture and what they're trying to create, I think Viva is a really positive step forward. We're just in that messy middle bit of change right now. Mm -hmm. And you can start to see some new capabilities that are coming through, like the, the way they're integrating AI into, into their toolkit with Copilot. And yeah. that's only going to go from strength to strength. In, like it was only a few months ago, no one had ever heard of ChatGPT unless you were really into it. Um, now it's sort of ubiquitous. Everyone's heard of it and is going, oh, yeah, that's fine. Life is transforming with AI. So you can see how quickly something can be adopted when it's kind of uh, either designed really well or tapping into something that's happening in society, in the community. And for organizations, I think the clever organizations are getting really good at having this kind of holistic approach integrating teams, building agile teams together that represent the needs of HR, the needs of IT, the needs of employees, and designing solutions that, that fit 
the actual needs rather than sort of saying, here's the platform, now organization, you need to fit to the platform. We've seen that start to flip on its head. Some organizations are much better than others at doing that. I think there's a few negative things, like I mentioned around some of the risks around the use of employee experience as a phrase and digital employee experience. I've definitely, I get a bit annoyed by the amount of vendors out there and people out there that are just doing exactly what they've always done and rebranding it as employee experience, where mm -hmm. actually, if you're really sort of taking a digital employee experience or an employee experience lens to things, it's a total mind shift. And you need to, you need to change the way you think. You need to put data right at the heart of everything you're doing and, and transform the way you do stuff, become much more experimental. And we're lucky now we're in an era where the technology allows us to do that. And the data that we can access and the insights that we can derive from that data can be super powerful and allow us to do things really quickly. So there's some really positive shifts that are happening. There's a few sort of like legacy things that we need to iron out over time. But I think in general, we're, we're moving in the right direction. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about where things are going. And Pete, you mentioned um, some of the data and the insights that you can get. What kind, can you give some examples of the kind of data and learnings that we can get from these, these platforms? Yeah, like I think an important thing here is to think about organisational context, right? What do organisations do at the minute? Um, mm -hmm. Most organisations will run, take an annual employee engagement survey as an example. Most organisations now will run once or twice per year, they'll do an employee engagement survey. Then they'll spend a few months analysing that feedback, then a few months more getting some action plans in place, then a few months more maybe actually actioning some of those action plans. Um, and there's a lot of hot air that goes all around that whole process. And basically, you're trying to sort of derive action from annual insights. It, it sort of works to a certain degree, but I think a much better approach is to think of like holistic kind of people and workplace insights. How do you combine those those data sources? And in the digital landscape, you've got the, what we call the digital exhaust. So the, the kind of back end of everything that's happening in your digital workplace, you can use that data to get beyond just annual insights or periodic insights into really sort of real time or near real time insights. So that continuous insight and if you combine together all of those different approaches, so your annual engagement survey, your pulse survey, and then your workplace analytics that's always on. So that's another important point. Surveys are surveys. By nature, they have extreme limitation because it's always someone's own version of what they think they're experiencing or what they want to be perceived as experiencing. So a survey has some real challenges to it. But we've come to accept that in most organizations as, oh, yeah, this is what's coming through the survey. Let's steer this way. If you look at workplace analytics, you can really see the difference between what people say they do and what they actually do. So if you've got that continuous analytics going and you can understand the reality versus the perception, you've got a much more powerful source of data there. And if you take, for example, things like um, Viva Engage or Yammer, as it used to be known, Right now, you could take a look in there and you could see in a couple of clicks, using a tool like Swoop, who your influencers are, what the trending topics are, what content is driving engagement, which leaders are pushing out and leading on the engagement front, how they're doing that. So you can really get much more insightful than just 
the sort of old school approach of saying, you know, we pushed something out and 7,000 people saw it. And that mm-hmm. used to be acceptable, but not in this era. You need to be able to get much richer with your insight and data. And Kurt, um, for our listeners, I could see you nodding furiously throughout. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, I fully agree. I don't think there was anything that I didn't agree with. But what I see missing from our benchmark is, is actually to say that it is too few actually have a strategy. Too few actually know where they where they want to go with this. They, they don't think they should have any goal. It's just an internet. Uh, it's not just an internet. If you really want to move something, you need to have some taglines, you need to have some strategy, you need to know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, then you might end up somewhere else. And that's not necessarily good for the company and for yourself. And then, then of course, you need some KPIs, but perhaps those key performance indicators should be KBIs, key behavior indicators, so that we're actually not measuring on, on things that can be tricked on, but we want to keep measuring on the behavior among the employees and then then just to get back to the data uh, which i fully agree with that that we see people what they say is not is not what they do but but it's just the problem today as i see it is that it's not easy i mean the data you get out of microsoft 365 as standard is hopeless i mean you could you can't use it for anything uh, at least I don't know of anybody using it for anything. Then you can add some Power BI on top of it. I mean, put Power BI into a communications department and, and if they don't like spreadsheets or Excel, then then don't give them Power BI. So so I'm, I'm sort of saying it's much too complicated just to get a dashboard where you can see, hey, how many how many users are actually reading our articles and which uh, and be able to drill down and say, hey, is that in in which departments or which parts of our organization is reading? Why are they not reading it in Sweden or in New Zealand? Why is that? Let's let's look into that. Oh, whatever. We found some reasons. We're using wrong words. Nobody will read it if you write that way in New Zealand or in Sweden. I don't know. But but again, the report, and it, it's much too hard actually to sort of produce something you easily can give to management to say, hey, see here, look, X percent or 97 percent of our employees actually read this article. Do you know what power that is? And and then again, using data to improve your internet. We got a bank in Denmark that's actually doing quarterly uh, surveys. They only survey one tenth of their employees, so each employee will only be asked once every two and a half year. I think that's a very wise uh, way to do it. But they always get some kind of indication about how happy people are with it. But I would love more people actually to use data, to use user surveys to improve their internets because it's so powerful and I can only say the best internets, digital workplaces or whatever is really seriously using data and user service. I think we've been talking a lot about improving products, um, improving also the kind of content that we're producing for staff and working with staff and also improving our understanding of how staff consume and use the content and use the tools. Hey, you mentioned the other day that people strive to use the data to prove rather than improve. Is this what you meant or did you mean something Yeah, look, this this is maybe me being a bit um, cynical about the comms 
profession um, and I'm, I'm speaking as Bring a seasoned <laughs> member of the comms profession right like I've, I've worked in comms for more than a decade and and I've committed a lot of comms crimes and one of those comms crimes that I kind of think of is really always just obsessing about proving your value and oh my gosh we're for me I was like I was always the internal comms team I had no budget and I used to get annoyed with how much of my time used to be spent doing reports on here's the value that my team's driving. This is the value that I'm delivering. This is the importance of the campaign we've just run. And you're looking at historic data a lot of time to prove the value of the function or the team um, or the activity that you've just done. And I just think when you really start getting into using insightful data to drive action, you're shifting from proving stuff all the time into focusing on improving things so it's a shift in focus from the past to the future so i found myself when i started using swoop as a customer i was for many years and i completely shifted my mind by it because i started realizing i was going into exec team meetings board meetings and saying okay here's what we did this is what we've learned this is how it's changing what we're doing and this is what we expect from the future and how we're going to measure it so just through action you're completely shifting your perception in your stakeholders' eyes. So rather than reporting on the good we've done in the past, you're saying, okay, we've learned this from that, and here's where we're going in the future. And you get much more buy-in and much more budget when you can shift to that approach. Excellent. Thanks for explaining that. And um, did you have any final thoughts there, Kurt or Pete, um, just, you know, people starting out or some other tips for our listeners? Yeah, I would say focusing on the top tasks on your internet, which is born or established by Jerry McGovern. I'm a great fan of this one. And and uh, don't have your editors to be put or redoubles, have them to take something down and let them be taken down as, uh, once in a while as well. Um, I also think with this uh, proving, I can say that I, a story from many years ago from British Airways when Alan Hughes was in charge of their internet, he proved to management that he, he measured the situation before he did something and then after he did something. And he actually proved that he saved British Airways for a enormous amount of money. Uh, this was about sending payslips by mail or, or, or supplying it on a screen for the employees instead. They, they weren't at home where the mail came anyway because they were out flying or sitting in an airport somewhere. So, so it was a big value for, for everybody. And the second time he came and asked for, he said, I got a new idea. Management didn't even want to see his before calculations <laughs> or, or his, his business case or whatever. Should I go and do a business case? No. How, how much money do you need, Alan? How much money do you need? Because we trust, we believe in you, or at least you have saved us a ton. How much of that do you need for the new product and, and to save us more money? So uh, I think, I believe there's, there's a lot of things to do. If you really want to surveys, analytics, look at it, please, and see what makes sense. Thanks, Kurt. I love that example. And Pete? Yeah, I guess from me, it's just don't fear data. Don't be afraid of using data. You don't need a PhD in analytics to get started with using data. You've got to see it as a way to tell a story. As communicators, we, we are storytellers, usually. 
So your data and the insights you can derive from that can be the fundamental sort of hook of your story. So think about data in terms of storytelling. How can you leverage that data to learn something new and help others learn something new to move to a better future? Focus on improving, not just proving, and really elevate yourself in the eyes of stakeholders. That way you'll get better results and speaking from experience, you'll enjoy your work a lot more as well. And okay. one thing more is don't fear data, but don't fear analytic systems either. Because, I mean, I've, for a, a number of times, we've had the opportunity to borrow or lend Swoop Analytics for our online events, also run in Teams, uh, to be able to see who's the, who's the person most active in, in the chat and the, in the meeting. And I can just say that installing Swoop Analytics is, uh, correct me, PDF is getting worse than it was, but, but then it was setting up a team site and then it was simply just put it in. Obviously, I, I needed to have the right uh, the rights to do this, but it, it was just, as I remember, putting in a URL, the right place. Uh, is, is that correct, uh, Pete? Yeah, it's yeah, really easy to turn on. And then, yeah, the insights are at your fingertips, right? And then it's up to you what you do with it. This is where it's so important to have that mindset shift. of. Yeah, yeah. But the number one tip, I guess, is don't be afraid of it. Get started with it, dip your toe in, and just start learning a little bit by little bit. And it will take you a long way. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your tips and your insights today, Kurt and Pete. And please, I presume that it's okay for our listeners to reach out to you on LinkedIn. Yep. Thumbs up. Yeah, you you bet. Yeah. Thumbs up. Excellent. And let's continue the conversation. And don't forget, Pete's going to be our guest for the IABC Amina webinar on May the 31st. Just go to iabcemena.com website and you can sign up for this free event thank you again so much kurt thank you so much pete you're welcome pleasure